0: So there are some times that I get up to preach and I feel completely inadequate to deal with the subject matter uh, that is at hand. And today is one of those days. Uh, Today is one of those tough days uh, where I'm going to be talking about like marriage and I feel like I'm terrible at it. Um, Okay, no amen from the back of the room. So... But and, and, and I've been married uh, 20 years, a little over 20 years. And I know that sounds crazy, right? Uh, uh, among, you know, young people these days, 20 years of marriage, it's like, wow, you know, that's incredible, 20 years. Yeah, we've been together 22, uh, and it is by the grace of God. It is by the grace of God and the sheer stubbornness of a beautiful woman from central Illinois who said, I'm not going to give up on this loser of a guy that I'm married to. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, She is uh, beautiful uh, and lovely in every sense of the word. My wife Shannon is lovely, and that's uh, my favorite way to describe her. She's lovely in every sense of the word. Uh, She is kind and sweet and generous. Uh, She has a heart for people, Uh, and like I said, she's stubborn because you know most other, uh, and and maybe a little, a little uh, insane uh, that she's stuck with me this long. Because I am a clod. I mean, I, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm like a dog at a keyboard. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. When it comes to marriage, and, and that's just how I feel, but uh, I've been blessed, like God knew that he was going to have to make the perfect woman for me, uh, and, and he did, he, he made Shannon and, and gave her to me uh, as my wife to do life together with here on earth, and um, I tell you what, um, when it comes to marriage, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Marriage is difficult. Marriage is tough. When you, you, you know, you get to, and nobody gets me like her. Like, nobody understands me like she does. Uh, she gets me with my quirks and my goofy sense of humor, my mental illness and stupidity. She gets it all, you know, and, and she's, you know, lucky enough that she gets this. <laughs> um, and, uh, she's great. Uh, and you should, uh, pray for her. Um, a lot. Um, but when, when we talk about romantic relationships, so what we're talking about today is we're talking about our romantic relationships uh, and, and how difficult they can be, um, but we're also going to talk about not just like marriage, but we're going to talk about any kind of relationship that, has, that involves romance that we might be involved in. So whether you're dating somebody, you have a significant other, uh, if you um, want to be married uh, and are not married yet, uh, if you are single, there's something in here for you too, uh, and I want to talk to everybody here today—teenagers uh, on up through uh, those who've been married for 50 years or more. Uh, there's always room for improvement in our romantic relationships. We can always get better. Uh, I have never met anybody who says, "No, I'm good. I got the perfect marriage." I've never met anyone who's ever told me that. It's like, no, I really don't need any advice. We get along perfectly all the time. It's like the only way that's happening is if, like, if, if you live in California and she lives in New York. I mean, <laughs> it's like what an arrangement. No it, because marriage can be difficult and marriage can be hard and when, and relationships can be hard and that's what excuse me that's why we're going to talk about it today uh, we're going to talk about uh, how we can continue uh, to grow in our relationships with one another specifically in our romantic relationships so we started a series a couple weeks ago called navigating relationships and this series is all about uh, our the four most important relationships in our lives uh, our relationship with our friends our relationship with our children, our relationship with our spouses, and our relationship with God. And so this week we're talking about our relationships with our spouses, or our romantic relationships. Um, we're, what we're doing is we're comparing the different relationships in our lives to the different parts of a ship. Um, and so two weeks ago we talked about our friends and about how our friends can kind of be like the rudder of our ship, um, that we are the average of the five people who are closest to us. Uh, And so we talked about how our our friends are kind of like the rudder And where our friends go, we tend to go Uh, We tend to uh, be the the average of the five people closest to us Um, And then last week we talked about the crow's nest We talked about how the the children that we influence in our lives Uh, And and we talked about how we need to be in the crow's nest with the children in our lives And kind of point out the dangers to them The dangers that maybe they can't see uh, And kind of navigate them and guide them through life uh, by by looking out for them uh, that we don't necessarily control the ship my, my little guy turned 13 this weekend I can't believe I'm the parent of a teenager <laughs> They said it would happen. I didn't believe them, but it had happened um, And so you know my job isn't to control the ship and, and and honestly, you know if you think you control your kids No You don't now we influence them. We guide them. We 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 steer them and the best thing we can do is we can steer them to jesus um, uh, and, and we're gonna, and that's what we want to do as parents is we want to steer our kids to Jesus and the, and the kids that we have influence over in our lives, whether it's a niece or a nephew, a cousin, um, friends, kids, uh, godchildren, whatever it is, whoever you have influence over children in your lives, you want to make sure that you are steering them to Jesus. You are guiding them to Jesus. Um, and then uh, next week we're going to talk about our most important relationship in our life, which is our relationship with God and how God is the anchor of our ship. And we'll talk about that next week. Uh, in two weeks I'm going to do a, seri- a, a special one-time sermon on baptism and why here at GFCC we think baptism is so important. Uh, And what the Bible says about baptism So we're going to do that Labor Day weekend And then we start a new series called How to Be Rich uh, Which is all about not what you have But what you do with what you have So we're going to talk about how to be rich in September October, a series called What a Difference a Day Makes And it's about people who had a one day encounter with God And how their life changed in one day In November, a series called First And putting God first in our lives And what that looks like And then What a Difference a Day Makes Christmas edition as we get into December Can you believe it? It's Christmas already no, it's not. No, it's not. It's going to be 86 degrees today. Yay! Anyway, so that's where we're going over the next few months. Um, and uh, But today we're going to talk about how our, our romantic relationships are kind of like the sails of our ship. So we're going to talk about the sails of our ship today as we talk about our romantic relationships Uh, if you have a Bible uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and we're going to look at a long passage of scripture from Ephesians 5 this is Paul's letter to the churches in the area of Ephesus and he was going to deal with the the family structure uh, in Ephesians chapter 5 we're in verses 21 through 33 um, and if you didn't bring a Bible you can grab one out of the chair in front of you it's on page 949 of that Bible or you can follow along on the GFCC app if you haven't gotten the app yet Go to your app store and search for GFCC. You can download the app. You can follow along with the sermon notes, uh, as well as you can give your tithes and offerings. You can, uh, there's a new tab on the bottom of the app called Groups, uh, and you can contact different connection groups uh, leaders this week uh, and let them know that you're interested in their group. So you can do that through text. That's what we're going, that's where where we're at today. Ephesians 5.21 is where we're going to begin. And Ephesians 5.21 simply says this submit to one another out of reverence for christ submit to one another out of reverence for christ now he's addressing the whole church and in the church we are all called to submit to one another because we love jesus all right and and jesus is our model for this we'll talk about that in just a second but the ancient uh, greek word for uh submit is the word hupotasso uh, the New Testament was written in ancient Greek, and this word hupotasso uh, literally means to submit one's control. Then, instead of trying to control someone, you submit your control to someone else. So instead of trying to keep someone under your thumb, you submit to them, and you consider them better than yourselves. Uh, it's a Greek military term, and, and in the military, uh, it meant this... Um, Uh, to arrange troop divisions in a military fashion under the command of a leader. But in non-military use is how it's pictured here. It was a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Again, it's putting other people more important than yourselves. And this uh, has to do with not only in the church, but it has to do in the family as well. So it begins with this idea of mutual submission that we all submit to one another because we love Jesus husbands submit to wives wives submit to husbands children submit to parents and so on and in the church we all submit to one another because we love jesus so this is where this begins Uh, you know jesus went to the cross and he is our model for servant leadership look at uh, philippians two three through eight he says don't be selfish don't try to impress others be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves don't look out for only for your own interests but take an interest in others too you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. And he says in verse 6, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So God, Jesus Humbled himself, he went from the throne room of heaven to the cross of Calvary, and and he gave up all of his divine privileges in order to become the perfect human sacrifice for our sins. And now, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him, turning away from sin and repentance, and publicly acknowledge your faith by uh, confession and getting baptized, in that moment, God washes away all your sins. He forgives your sins. He fills you with His Holy Spirit. He sets you on the path to heaven. And that happens when we put our faith and trust in Jesus We are saved by God's grace Through faith in Jesus Christ The one who gave up his life for us Who suffered and died for our sins And he is our model of submission He is our model of what it means to put others before ourselves He's a model for husbands too We'll talk about that in just a second But first we're going to address wives Paul's going to address wives in Ephesians 5, 22-24 And this is what he wrote to wives Wives submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the lord for the husband is the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church his body of which he is the savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything i don't want to hear a single guy go amen because notice paul's not talking to you husbands do you get that paul is not talking to husbands saying husbands make your wives submit that's not what he says And so your job, husbands, is not to make your wife submit to you. Your job, husbands, is not to keep your family under your thumb. Your job, husbands, is not to make sure that your wife is submitting. That's not your job. It's the wife's job to submit to the leadership of her husband. And here's the thing. Husbands, your job is to be the leader that God desires you to be in your household. Your job is to be the leader that God wants in your family. So be a spiritual and emotional and physical provider in your family. Be the leader that your family needs. And your family will submit to your leadership. But if you are a tyrannical dictator in your family, your family will rebel against you. But if you are a servant leader, like Jesus was a servant leader, your family will submit. And Jesus is our model. All right, the Bible says that all authority was given to him. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So wives, when, when Paul says that you are to submit to your husband's leadership, that's exactly what he means and he comes from the authority of christ and it is our model for what the, the the church is the model for the family that the church submits to jesus in everything because jesus has how much authority all authority so jesus has all authority the church submits to him and in the family the family submits to the husband because that's the the created order that's the order that god put things in in the family and so, guys, if you want your family to submit to you, be a servant leader like Jesus, not a tyrannical dictator. And wives and children will submit to the father, to the husband, more readily than they will if you try to just control them. So, husbands, don't control your wives. No, Paul says do this instead. Ephesians five twenty-five through 33. And notice, okay, so you have this little section for wives, like three little verses. And then you have nine verses for men. Men are dense. I'm going to tell, I, I don't mean to tell, I don't mean to share man's secrets, but man's secret, men are dense. All right, 25. Husbands, love your wives, and pause right there. That word love here where he tells husbands to love their wives is the word agapao, and it comes from the word agape, and that means unconditional love. So guys, The love that you have for your wife or significant other is to be an unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of love. No conditions, no limits, no selfishness. That's the kind of love that God expects you to have for your wives and for the women in your life. So unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of love. That's the way you do it. Because guys are terrible at this. We will put conditions on our love well, if you let me do this, then I'll love you. Or if you uh, do this, if, if you have the house clean, all these things, and, and these are all the conditions that we put on, on, on the love that we have, and, and if you do these things, then I'll love you. No, that's not what Paul said. That's not what God says. God says you are to love your wives unconditionally. You love first rather than waiting to love based on what she does. Does that make sense? You may not like it, but it does make sense. All right. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so, uh, guys, we have to love our wives unconditionally. And, And we love our wives as Christ loved the church. Now, how did Jesus love the church? He died for the church. And you may be thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, I'm a macho man, you know? Do people say macho anymore? I say macho. So uh, I'm a macho man. i take a bullet for my wife. Oh, yeah, sure you would. Yeah, i will oh, take a bullet for my wife. But here's the thing. Would you, would you die for your wife in another way? Yeah, I, you know, what do you mean? Would you sacrifice something for your wife? Like Jesus sacrificed his life for the church. Would you sacrifice for your wife? For example, would you give up an afternoon to go antiquing? Well, let's put it this way: Would you give up an afternoon, a Sunday afternoon in the fall, to go antiquing? What happens in the fall, guys? Oh, <laughs> we do know. Well, as long as it's, as long as it's the Bears' bye week, you know, as the as bye week, I'll go. I'll go antiquing. You know, no. Would you give up? Would you sacrifice? And, and me, Saturdays are the sacrifice when Notre Dame is playing. Okay, power didn't go out that time. Am I willing to sacrifice things that I think are so very important but really hard? Am I willing to sacrifice for my wife and for my family? like Christ sacrificed for the church are you guys husbands are you willing to sacrifice for your wife and your family the way that Christ sacrificed his life for the church to give up everything I mean that's that's hard and and be careful to answer that out loud you know because especially if you're sitting next to your significant other or wife yeah I'll give up for oh oh hi (laughs) shut up Sean before you make me commit to something I really don't want to do no 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 in all seriousness guys we are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church it means we give up everything we sacrifice everything our desires our preferences the things that we want we put her first we put her before ourselves put our family before ourselves put ourselves last that's what Jesus did and I know it's hard you know I know it's tough what we're called to do hard for me to do thank you honey she didn't say amen <laughs> but it is and, and we got to treat our wives we got to treat our wives better guys I, I have to treat my wife better you got to treat your wife better We got to treat the women in our lives better did you know that the very first gift that god gave to man was a woman genesis chapter two eighteen says this The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God made, made the perfect person for Adam. And her name was Eve. Genesis 2.22. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. He gave the woman to the man. He was the very, she was the very first wedding gift. She was the gift. And so guys, God has brought a woman into your life. Or a significant other or spouse, God has brought a woman into your life as a gift. So cherish the gift. Treat the gift like you would treat a gift. If someone gave you a Ferrari, you'd be like, I love my Ferrari. You'd you'd wax it with a a cloth diaper. (laughs) You know? How do you treat the gift of the woman in your life? How do you treat the gift that God has given you? And I know I'm spending a lot of time on talking about guys. It, I'm a dude, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm not just talking to the guys here in the room. I'm talking to myself. That I need to cherish the gift too. We all need to do better in cherishing this gift. So husbands, yes, I'm talking to you a lot. Again, we're kind of dense. We need extra talking to But what about singles? I told you I was going to talk about singles too. And so I, here's the thing about uh, if you're single... You know, and, and maybe you're divorced and, and wanting to get remarried or you are single and haven't met the right person yet, you haven't met the right one. Uh, I want to encourage you, or, or maybe you're single and you don't want to get married and you don't have a desire for romantic relationships. I, Here's here's the thing, I, and I, this is not just for singles, this is for everybody. I did a sermon series here last year uh, based on a series from Life Church in Oklahoma, and C- Pastor Greg Groeschel says this. Greg uh, says uh, that we need to make our spouse... Uh, our two. We need to make God our one and our spouse our two. God is your one, your spouse is your two. And, and so I- even if you're not married, if, God has got to be your one. God has to be your one, and your spouse, your significant other, has to be your two. So instead of putting your spouse above God, you put God first. God always comes first. So if you're single and you're like, I, I just want to meet the right one, I just want to meet the right one, I have two words for you today. One, be patient the second is don't settle. So be patient and don't settle. Be patient because God knows what he's doing. Even in your singleness, and you're like, I just don't want to be single anymore. In your singleness, I'm telling you, God knows what he's doing. Uh, look at this. Proverbs 16:3 says this. Commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. If you have plans of getting married, commit your actions to the Lord. In other words, put God first and let him work out the rest. Uh, Psalm chapter 37, verse four. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And maybe your desire is to meet that right person. Maybe your desire, single folks, is to meet the right one. And remember, God is your one, your spouse is your two, or your future spouse is your two. God always has to be first. So put God first and he will give you the desires of your heart. And someday, Lord willing, that'll happen. But until that does happen, Be patient, wait upon the Lord, knowing that he knows what is best and will do what is best and most loving. He does. That's who he is. God is love. And so put God first. God is your one, spouse is your two. Be patient and don't settle. Don't get into a relationship just to have a relationship. Seek the Lord first and let him work out the details. Okay? I I, want to go back to this sailboat analogy for just a second. Uh, Like I said earlier, our romantic relationships are kind of like the sails of a boat. And so I want to just talk about the sails for just a minute. Uh, First of all, um, the sails have to be aligned with the wind. So in your romantic relationships, the sails have to be aligned with the wind. And in this illustration, the wind is God. Your sails have to be aligned with God. God is your one, your spouse is your two. Your sails have to be aligned with the wind, or else you're not going to go anywhere. If you don't have your sails lined up with the wind right and, the, and the, the wind is filling the sails, the boat isn't going anywhere. You've got to align the sails with the wind. And God is the wind. God is your one, your spouse is your two. Secondly, the sails have to be pointed in the same direction. The sails have to be pointed in the same direction. If you have sails pointed in two different directions, you're going to go in circles. You're not going to get anywhere. And for your sails to be pointed in the same direction, you have to have communication. Communication is vitally important. And it's more than just the, the surface level communication of, hey, how you doing? Good. How was your day? Fine. Retreat to your cor- separate corners until you go to bed. You know, you know, there has to be better communication in all of our relationships, especially in our romantic relationships. I did a sermon, uh, not a sermon series, I did a Bible study here a few years ago by Chip Ingram, uh, a pastor from California. And in his, this Bible study on marriage, Uh, he talked about uh, how we need to increase our communication and he gave this suggestion. Um, I have a book in my office called Leadership. Uh, It's by Rudy Giuliani and it was about the time that he was the mayor of New York during 9-11. And what he did uh, every day, he had an hour long meeting every morning with all the key leaders of his city. He's like, I wanna know what's going on in my city. And so he had an hour long meeting and everyone had to give a report. And I suggest to couples, when couples come to me and say, hey, can we talk about our relationship? Sure. And what I suggest couples do is take 15 minutes a day, not an hour, just 15 minutes a day, to sit down across from one another and talk to one another. Just put the phone psh, over here. TV off. You know, kids, go do kid stuff. It's just me and you, and we're going to talk 15 minutes. And I encourage you to ask three questions of each other. And this comes from Chip Ingram, this Bible study we did. There's three questions you need to ask your spouse or significant other, whoever it is, three questions you need to ask, and then they need to ask you. The first question is this, what are you concerned about? What are you concerned about? Second question, what are you willing to do about it? And the third question is, how can I help? So, for example, this was me and Shannon. I would ask her, what are you concerned about? She would tell me. Well, what are you willing to do about it, I would ask her. And she would say, I'm, I'm willing to do these things. And then I would say, how can I help? And she would let me know how I can help her solve this issue or solve this concern. Now, here's the thing. When you do this, and I, I highly recommend it, just give it a week. Give it a week. Just seven days, five days. We'll, we'll do weekdays, okay, just weekdays. So take the next five days, take 15 minutes, set it aside, put the timer on the microwave, One five zero zero. And, and sit down from, a, from one another and ask each other these questions. And here's the thing. You don't interrupt one another. You let them talk, and then you talk. You don't interrupt one another. And what are you concerned about? What are you willing to do about it? And how can I help? And your communication will increase, and it will get better, and you will get those sails pointed in the right direction so that you're not going in circles. You know, I have found, I have discovered so many couples uh, that I sit down and talk to uh, is that we get into relationship ruts. We get into a relationship rut and, 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 you know, we just kind of do the same old thing day after day after day and and the next thing you know, two years have gone by, five years have gone by, ten years have gone by and we're having the same conversations and we're really not getting anywhere. And and we need to get out of those relationship ruts. And here's one last bit of advice and this is only for you guys because I didn't bring this up to any others, but uh, they'll have to watch it online um, don't forget to romance one another don't forget to woo one another I think a lot of times we forget the woo uh, and we, f- we fail to woo one another it, especially guys you know we're, we're very task oriented And so I completed this task, I completed this task I completed this task and now I can move on to my next task and so it's like okay I, I met the woman I wooed the woman I engaged the woman I married the woman and now I'm done you're not done we're not done it's not a your wife is not a task to complete your wife is a woman to be wooed so we need to continue to woo one another and continue to date one another and, and, and grow in that love with one another uh, till death do us part and when we do that we'll see that our lives have a lot more fulfillment uh, our, our relationships are a lot better the communication increases and, and you know You think back to when you first met your spouse, significant other, and how great it was and how fresh it was and how it's like, oh, this is so great. You're learning all these new things about one another and and just how wonderful it was. And and then you get into those relationship ruts and you start thinking, man, I, I don't know. Did I make a mistake? No, you didn't make a mistake. You just got stuck in a rut. Get out of the rut. Woo one another. Date one another. Romance one another. And recall those things that first brought you together and have fun again. And when we do that, We're going to have better marriages and life is going to be much more fulfilling. And we'll we'll point one another to Jesus and that's what we're doing until death do us part.